How's it going, folks? How's it going? I'm Brother Matthew, and this is Christian Coffee Time. We're going to sit down together to study the Word of God. And here we are back at it again, working our way through the book of Colossians. So please grab your Bibles, notepads, and pens, and turn with me to Colossians chapter 2. And I realized I forgot to change this. We're not at verse 1. We're down to verse 8. Okay, so please grab your Bibles and please turn to Colossians chapter 2. And we're going to pick up at verse 8 where we left off. And some things I just want to talk about here. Let's go over again just a little bit more. And uh, as promised, <laughs> I got the video that I mentioned yesterday. The one that I was hoping that I had, but I realized I hadn't downloaded it yet. So we're going to be going through... Uh, as well, the uh, little video, uh, part of a message by the great preacher Leonard Ravenhill. Uh, he has a uh, just a speech he has regarding the spirit of a prophet. And I will be clarifying, we're not talking about, you know, like some charismatic thing where we got prophets and apostles today. That's not what I'm talking about. That's not what Ravenhill's talking about. It's talking about the spirit of, the work of, to like how the prophets went and spoke the things of God and how they were filled with the spirit of God and how they worked. We need that today, if people like that in that effort. So, getting ahead of myself. But anyways, this is what we're going to be talking about today from Colossians chapter 2, verse 8. So, grab your Bibles, notepads and pens, grab your tea, grab your coffee, come join us at the table. And please feel free to join in if you've got any comments, questions, issues, insights, anything you'd like to uh, discuss about in regards to our study today. And yeah, so I hope that this will be an encouragement and help to you. And uh, yeah, alrighty. So, as we discussed previously, previously in our studies, um, talking about the work of Christ, the fulfillment of this of the Spirit, and how, how the Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of Christ, equips us and guides us and teaches us and how we need not fear, need not worry about anything, and how we just learn to look to Him, learn to die to self and stop focusing on ourselves and our own efforts. It's not about us, it's about Him. We went into that in great detail, and... Uh, it's always a great and powerful reminder, even for, uh, for myself, especially for myself, is just learning that it's not about me and it's not about us, the, the people. That we don't have to earn anything. We don't have to try to maintain to keep. We don't have to try to appease the Lord and earn brownie points and that kind of thing. It's not about that. The discipleship is not about... A focus of self and maintenance of self fruit, but rather it's learning how to follow after the Lord Jesus Christ, to how to pick up the cross and follow him and what that means. There's a, a lot of controversy around that, a lot of confusion around that, unfortunately, and a lot of people struggle with this. They feel insufficient. They feel that they just, that, that, because of their inability, they can't please God. But that's just it. We can't please God. We can't please Him. Our efforts are, are, are fallible. We fall apart and we're corrupted in us. is no good, no righteousness in us. What pleases Him 
is seeing his son in us through us that we would get out of the way and when the lord jesus christ by his spirit is able to work through us speak through us and live through us that's what pleases the father that's what pleases the lord this is how we uh, could say stay in good terms uh, by by keeping ourselves out of the picture out of the picture the lord works on us uh, we are the clay and he fashions us he molds us as he sees fit and it's learning to just if i could say let him because we sometimes try to get our hands in and we mess things up and we get in the way we try to call the shots we try to take the authority and this is what just messes everything up so we went over this in great detail yesterday and i hope <laughs> i hope that message yesterday makes uh, made some sense to you uh went over this uh, Again, in, in just a lot, a lot of different views of different angles and making a lot of different points on this. Again, many things that I've learned in my studies on this, uh, on the whole topic of dying to self, learning to follow after the Lord. We talked about uh, the life of spirituality and uh, understanding as we talked about the the sweet communion as the as the good good old grand old hymn says the mystic sweet communion that's the the uh the spiritual mindset it's not a physical mindset we're not focused on physical things we're focused on spiritual things so again folks if you have any comments questions issues insights regarding this uh, uh going forward please feel free to chime in ask away uh, if you need some clarifications on any points please ask away be glad to hear from you um yeah so we got uh, a lot of stuff uh, to discuss on the docket today so grab a tea grab a coffee time to study the word of god okay so we're in colossians chapter 2 verse 8 <clears throat> colossians 2 8 Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. So we're going to be looking at Colossians chapter 2, verses 8 to 10 today. And um, we're going to be talking about philosophy. We're going to be talking about complete, perfect philosophy. Now, to understand this, we need to uh, build up a, a case here in regards to what this philosophy is. Now, philosophy is the pursuit of wisdom, the pursuit of understanding, the pursuit of reason. So finding logic and reason, everything, the explanation of uh, of life the existence of life a physical life spiritual life so we see there's philosophy the teachings the doctrines the ideas the opinions the thoughts and and reasons of the mind and heart of man and the explanation of behavior character um, uh, of the mental state uh, of an individual why are they doing what they do why do they do that why do they not do this why are they saying so we see philosophy comes in a lot of ways and builds into psychology the psyche the mind ology the way of the mind 
And then we see philosophy here is more of a reaching out and not just the study of, but now the theorizing and the explaining the ideas of, of, of what one, of what one thinks of in the reason and the logic behind stuff. So we see a lot of this. Now the Greeks were great, uh, greatly interested in philosophy, as we see, see this uh, throughout the writings of Paul and his ministry. As you go there and he talks about this, that they, they really are big in the pursuit of wisdom and knowledge to hear a new thing. And philosophy is the way of the Greeks. Now the way of the world uh, we see here in the, in the Greek world of philosophy. Now beware, as it says here, beware lest any man spoil you. Now we looked at this a little bit yesterday. Now spoil to carry off treasure, to carry off treasure, to carry off as a captive and a slave, to lead away from the truth and subject to one's sway. Now, should I try to pronounce the Greek phonetic? Um, okay, this is a difficult one. Suleg og eo. I don't think I got that one right. Sulegogel. I don't know how to pronounce that. <laughs> That's the Greek word for philosophy. Uh, sorry, not not philosophy. Uh, spoil. Or spoil. To spoil. So to carry off as a captive, to carry off as a slave from the truth. As we see in the context here, to carry off one as a captive, to lead one away from the truth. That means what it means to spoil. So beware lest anyone spoils you to lead you astray. So we see here then, beware lest anyone lead you astray from the truth by philosophy and vain deceit. Okay. So there's a evil, there, there's a wicked form of philosophy and there's a true form. So let's look into this. Now, we go back to Romans chapter 16 just for a moment. Romans 16. And we want verse 17. Romans 16, verse 17. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned and avoid them. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. And by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. Okay? So by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. Now we see here, beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, not after Christ. So it's saying pretty much the same thing. Romans 16, 17 to 18, and Colossians 2, 8. It's referring to the same thing here. Good words, fair speeches that deceive. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. To deceive. They want to deceive you through, through their form of philosophy because they follow not after the doctrine which ye have learned okay so we can then correlate here in context what it's speaking about is 
God's philosophy, God's doctrine, God's teaching, and the world's. See, God has a philosophy, a way of an explanation of reason, of logic, of wisdom, the pursuit of wisdom and knowledge. Okay, hold on, hold on. James chapter 1, verse 5. James chapter 1, verse 5. James 1, 5. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. May he give you as much as you need, and he won't hold back. He gives you, uh, pours it out, your cup overflows. Like it, it gives, gives it all to you liberally, and upbraideth not, he doesn't hold back, and it shall be given him. If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. That's James 1, 5. Okay, so... What the Lord is saying here, if you need understanding, if you need reason, if you need logic, if you if you need that to a uh, uh, help and understanding as things, uh, you need clarity because you're confused or something's going on and you need direction. Ask of God. Don't go to anyone else. Ask of the Lord. You ask of the Lord. You don't go running after anyone else's opinions and thoughts and feelings and explanations because everybody everybody has an explanation for everything everybody has an opinion everybody has an idea everybody has reason everybody has their own logic everyone has their own philosophy the philosophy of life the philosophy and reasoning of life and life's existence and the issues of life but we see that this can spoil us carry us off what does it carry us from god's truth carries us from God's truth. It carries us from God. This is what scripture says, folks. Now, am I saying that it's wrong to ask other people? Well, you see, the Bible says in, in the multitude of counselors, there's wisdom. In the multitude of counselors, there's wisdom. It's not wrong to go to people to, to seek instruction. But it's the instruction itself that has to be scrutinized. Because if you go to someone and uh, uh, to a few people and you ask them for information, you ask them for help and advice, and they give they give it to you, but it's mostly personal opinion. Well, I think here's what I say. Here's my thoughts. Here's what I would tell you. Oh, you need to take that with a grain of salt. Because what does the Lord say? Because what does the Lord say about this? Because it says in Scripture, God says, even in eating and drinking, do all to the glory of God. That all ideas, opinions, thoughts, reason, logic is to be brought back to the Lord to give Him glory. So how can we glorify Him if my logic and reason is based upon me my i i think i feel this is what what i say and it's all all of us and our reasoning logic and none of seeking his face you see it's good to to seek wisdom and to go to others but if those others are going to lead you astray maybe not even intentionally 
but we need to learn to bring everything back around to the Lord. This is what we were talking about yesterday in the spiritual mindset. The spiritual mindset. Christ mindfulness. Being mindful of the Lord in all things. So philosophy that's void of the mention of the Lord is not the philosophy of God. Logic and reason that doesn't point you to the face of God is not the logic and reason of God. Beware lest any man spoil you, carry you off. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. Now what does this mean? And vain deceit. Um, vain, empty, vain, devoid of truth. Devoid of truth. Okay. Now, it says vain deceit. Deceit, deceitfulness. Deceivableness. Deceivableness. Delusion. Delusion. Okay, so we see, beware lest any man carry you off through philosophy. That's through the way, through the explanations, through the reason and the logic carries you off through the reason and the logic and vain deceit, vain delusions. Thinking that you that you got it, just trust in yourself, believe in yourself, let your heart be your guide. You have it in you. Just just keep going. Just keep pressing forward. You see what this does? Like we're talking about yesterday. Turning everything around and making it about you. Making it about me. So we see we can be carried off destituted the truth and as it says in Romans 16 that they're bringing other doctrines teachings that get you to focus on yourself and your own strength and effort which is a delusion which is a delusion you're deluded you are deluded if you think that you have the answers when Christ says, I am the truth, I am the way, the truth, the life. Because we have no truth in us. We have no power in ourselves. We haven't a clue where to go. So how can we know the way? How can we figure out the way? We are dead in trespasses and sin, and he's the one that granted us life. We have no life in us. How can I presume upon myself to have the answers, the understanding, the explanation for all the things that could come up in life? Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. After the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. So, okay, there's one other passage you want to go to here. Let's take a look at 1 Peter. Now, in 1 Peter, sorry, not 1 Peter, my bad, 2 Peter, 2 Peter, oh, I got to fix that, I accidentally wrote 1 Peter in the margin, turn that into a 2, there we go, I'm dumb, okay, there we go, 2 Peter chapter 1, 
Now look at this in verse 16, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 16. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables. Cunningly devised fables. When we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. So what would be cunningly devised fables? That's, so cunningly, intelligently, insightfully, making, crafting, devised, thought up. So you're very careful about your words and you're you're uh, deceiving. Uh, Like, you know, this is where we get, you know, like, uh, how many of you know Bugs Bunny, a wily coyote, wily coyote and trying to uh, chase down the roadrunner? He's wily. He's very cunning. He's crafty. He thinks things through and he imagines up different ways to try to trap the roadrunner. He has a lot of just genius ideas and, and his machines and things that always wind up backfiring, which is quite interesting. But we see here, as, as Peter says, for we have not followed cunningly devised fables. Now, I've talked about this before. Uh, the word fable, where this comes from, this comes from, now, the word fae, F-A-E, is a archaic old, uh, old English word. The fae were the forest spirits forest spirits that would reach out to you with enticing words and and promises and all kinds of things to get you interested and the they would become the familiar spirits the fae which was then uh, over the years changed and evolved to be the fairy fairy which then got ter- uh, shortened into fairy now fables are the stories, the doctrines, the teachings of the Fae. I.e. doctrines of devils. Doctrines of devils. So we see here uh, that the word of God is very clear in uh, cutting down the line, a razor line here, separating that there is philosophy and doctrine of only one of two kinds. There's no middle nebulous ground, uh, ground gray area. It's either or. It's the doctrine of God or the doctrines of devils. It's the philosophy of God or the philosophy of devils. It's the ways of the Lord or the ways of devils. There's no other. So it so the ways of the Lord are not deceiving, deluding, and will never lead you astray. And the wisdom is of God who gives an answer for everything. Then there's the cunningly devised fables doctrines of devils philosophy of man the teachings the doctrines the ways of the of the opinions and the feelings we've not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our lord jesus christ but were eyewitnesses of his majesty and he goes on to talk about how this uh, the, this prophecy this these teachings Came not in old time by the will of men, but holy men of God spake as are moved by the Holy Ghost. So we see that the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God taught them, showed it to them. 
because it's either the spirit of God or it's the spirit spirits of devils or to test the spirits to see if they're of God so how do we test by the doctrine by the truth if any man bring any other doctrine let them be accursed so we see philosophy is a very dangerous thing if it's not from God it's not from God. People say, well, then are you saying that it's wrong to read the, the, the philosophy books out there? All the ideas and teachings and uh, the wisdom and the knowledge and the reason of, of, uh, of other people? Well, let me just ask you a question. What could, what could all those other sources of the, the philosophers and whatnot what could they possibly tell you? What could they possibly offer you, give you? That God hasn't already said and given. Now, I don't want to say anything bad about anybody. I don't want to make anybody feel bad about this, but I'm just going to, I just need to say it. If you're running after philosophers and other people in the psychology of men, and that just means you're bored with the Bible. If you're getting your wisdom, your insight, your reason, your logic from, from all these other philosophers and the, and the opinions, ideas of men and, and all the doctors of the law and all these high intellects, and you're not studying the word of God for your wisdom, your knowledge, and your reason, then that shows that you don't put much stock in God's philosophy. Because there's literally nothing that any of them could possibly say that God hasn't already given better. And it's a battle of spirit that the flesh and the world and the enemy and all these other things are going to try to get you to grow bored with scripture, grow bored with the philosophy of God, grow bored and apathetic of the teachings of the Lord and run after all the opinions of men. Just saying. Because what could you possibly say from any other source that is of value that God hasn't already given in his word. Just give that some thought. Stick that in your theological pipe and smoke it for a minute. Think about that. What could you possibly glean from other sources that is of value, a golden nugget that God hasn't already said? And then we see that people crave to be used by the Lord. They crave and the desire to, to serve the Lord, to, to speak for the Lord, and to grow closer to the Lord. But they won't grow closer to his word. They won't take his word seriously. They won't take the faith seriously. They, they won't die to self and give up the pursuit of the satiation of the flesh and the fleshly, fleshly mind. They won't go ang they won't stop angling after all the other philosophers and things and they won't and they won't sit down and listen to Christ. I dare say there's something wrong with that with that scene. That scenario. But what's an explanation that we can see in the word of God that 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 is 
that can help us with this. Well, take a look at this. In in verse 8, Colossians 2, 8, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men. Like the, the Greek philosophers, the idea where they sit down and they, they try to they argue back and forth and, and they debate back and forth and they, they try to hammer out a reason and they try to come to end point by working, working, laboring in their own minds to develop a re- the tradition of men, to reason a thing and try to solve it and try to figure out the answer instead of just asking God. The tradition of men. Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. For in him, Christ, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Every aspect that makes up God, of, of his character, personality, his reason, his logic, his insight, his, 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 the character of his infinity, all that he is in Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Look at this verse 10. And ye are complete in him. In Jesus Christ, the Lord God Almighty, Jesus Christ, we are complete in him. We're complete. Well, that, that strikes of something else. If we go over here to Timothy, in 2 Timothy, there's a passage here that echoes this. 2 Timothy, chapter 3, Verse 16 to 17. All scripture is given, meaning God breathed, Theonustos, God breathed. All scripture is given by inspiration of God, by the ideas, the thoughts, the mind of God, the teaching, instruction, uh, uh, the work of God, by inspiration of God, and is profitable, usable, profitable for doctrine, teachings of, for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, verse 17, that the man of God may be perfect. Perfect. That the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished into all good works. And we are complete in him. In everything he says, that he has given, that he has given, that he has done, he has furnished us like how you would furnish a home you bring in all of the stuff the from the bookshelves and the books and the couches and the carpets and the dishes and tables and the lamps everything you furnish the house so the house is full it's complete it's made it's done he furnishes us his word his teaching his philosophy what he has to give is sufficient it completes us it perfects us we are perfect. There's nothing missing. Nothing is missing. It's like, it's like saying, "Oh, our, we we got a new house and we got all the stuff we need, and it's and it's furnished, it's done, it's complete, but it has no tables. There's no tables." You, you'd walk in, you walk into the dining room and it's got chairs and it's got the, it's got the kitchen cupboards and everything else, but there's no table. Something's missing. It's not complete. It's not perfect. 
But unlike that scenario, which is the tradition of men, the philosophies of men, there's always something missing. There's all, they're always learning, always evolving, but the Lord doesn't change. In him is uh, no shadow of turning. God doesn't change. God doesn't make mistakes. He's not the author of confusion. God cannot lie. His word, his teaching, his philosophy, his instruction is complete and perfect. His word is perfect. And it completes us. It completes us. So we see here. So we see here. As the Lord has said. And in Colossians 2.9. In him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. God. The mystery of godliness which God was manifest in the flesh. The word which was God became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus Christ is the true God and eternal life. 1 John 5.20 And we see again and again and again the fullness of Christ, the completeness of Christ, the work of Christ. Christ meaning the promised spirit of God that would come. And he said, he told us how he would come. Isaiah 7.14 and the virgin shall conceive, shall bring forth the son that shall call his name Emmanuel, meaning God with us. Isaiah 9, 6, the child born son given is called the mighty God, everlasting father. Micah 5, 2, born in Bethlehem, Ephrata, the one whose ways are of old, even of everlasting, the almighty one. Jesus says to the Samaritan woman at the well, I am the Christ Messiah. Jesus claims to be the I am. He forgives sins, accepts worship and uh, claims the names of God and even the Pharisees knew this because uh, we stone thee because thou being a man makest thyself God so we see all of this all down through the work of him the teaching I am the way the truth the life Jesus says he is God and there is none else he's God Almighty manifested in the flesh and he says my words are sufficient my words they are spirit they are life so if you want life and life more abundantly you look at the words the teachings the ways of the lord jesus christ in which in which the unbelievers the god haters and christ haters will not understand they'll see the philosophy of god pitted against the philosophy of the world and they'll mock christ just as they did back then two thousand years ago they'll hate you because of me in this world you shall suffer tribulation for my name's sake but be of good cheer i've overcome the world he completes us he perfects us he gives us reason and logic he gives us an answer for absolutely everything when we go to him and seek his face if any man lack wisdom let him ask of god we seek his face for wisdom for knowledge for understanding we seek him for the explanations of the things of life he shows us there is an answer for everything there's an answer for everything and then the unsaved mind will mock that and say, say, well, well, where is it? Show me. I don't see. I've never seen it. The reason the unsaved can't see the truth is, is just like how a thief can never find a policeman. Because they're not looking. They're deliberately avoiding and not looking. But when you seek his face, all those who come to me, I shall know why cast out. Seek me, you shall find me. When they truly soften their heart and they desire to understand and they come before the Lord and seek his face, God shows it unto them. His spirit comes upon him, upon them and enlightens them, shows them the truth, the taste of the light of the glimpse of, we see in Hebrews 6, the work of the Holy Spirit and gives them a choice, a chance. 
the man of God, the child of God, the disciple of God, will be perfect, perfected, will be perfected in the understanding, in the teachings, in the doctrines, the teachings of, the doctrines of God. We see in Colossians chapter 2, And ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. And now the context here we see, we see here, complete in him. Now who's the him? Well, it's the context. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ in whom dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you're complete in him, which is the head. Christ is the head of all principality. Now what, what's principality? Arche, where we get the word arcane. So he is, so it says here, which is the head of all principality, beginnings, origins, origins. Um, at, at the first of, the first estate, the first, the magistrate, power, principality, principle, rule, chief. So we see context here, it's saying that Jesus Christ is the head of all origins, of all beginnings. The beginnings of, well, in the beginning was God. All things are made by him. Without him was anything made that was made. In Hebrews, you see um, that Christ created all things. John chapter 1, verses 1 to 3, the word which is God that gave flesh to all among us, the word which is God made all things. We went through that the other day about the person of Jesus Christ and who he is according to the word of God. He's almighty, sovereign Lord God, the creator of all things. That's what the scriptures flat out teach. We are complete in him, which is the head of all things, of all origins, of all time, of all powers, of, uh, of everything. And he's the head of all power. So you see after principality, there's comma, and then and power he's the head of all power he's the head of all wisdom the word which is god which became flesh and dwelt among us the word which made all things and breathed into us the breath of life and created a living soul he who creates life in us is the way and the truth so we see the teachings and the philosophies of man the philosophies of other religions where they make the focus about themselves, where they try to save themselves by their own fruit bearing, by their own works, their own righteous works, their own law keeping, which is complete, just antithetical to what the Lord actually teaches in the word of God. It's not about us. We can't earn our way to heaven but by making sure to pray five times a day or count the beads and call upon the dead and do good deeds, knock on doors and think that we're deluded enough to be able to maintain to keep all the law, which you can't. Then we are destitute of the truth. Destitute of the truth. We are not complete. We've failed the challenge. The challenge is to give up all, to surrender to the Lord, understanding it's his work of his blood, of his death, his resurrection, of his righteousness. It's all of him, nothing of me. By the grace of God, by faith, which is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, faith is believing trust. By grace, the unmerited favor of God. 
So we're saved by grace. We're kept by grace. We're held by grace. And then he instructs us by grace. We don't have to earn the wisdom. Like the, the cultish Gnostic. The cultish Gnostic who thinks that by his own slaving away that he can somehow discover and 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 find and, and glean the information and the wisdom and the secrets of all things. But the mysteries of the Godhead, the mysteries of the Lord are given to us as the, the Spirit of Christ, which dwells in the heart of every believer, it was promised that he would teach us all things. He would teach us all things and cause us to be in remembrance of everything right that he has told us. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God to give it to all men liberally and upbraideth not. But to the unsaved mind, they will mock this like they mocked John the Baptist, who truly understood this, who lived this. He truly lived it. A complete dying to self, giving up all. And the Lord told him what to say, told him where to go, told him what to do. And he, he truly died. He didn't even have a home. He didn't even have food. It was provided from grasshoppers and wild honey. But the natural man, the unsaved mind, who knows not Jesus Christ according to Scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. The Spirit of Christ gives us the understanding. But the unsaved mind have not the Spirit of Christ, will not understand this, will not be able to grasp this, will not be able to comprehend this, and to them it will be foolishness and they will mock it. As they mock Christ, they mock his cross, they mock his blood, they mock his power because they don't understand it, because they don't want to. Just as the thief, the robber, the criminal doesn't want to find the policeman, so thus has no idea where the policemen are. Because they're not looking for them, always avoiding them. Doesn't want to see them. It's just like that in Romans chapter 1, verse 18 to 25. Uh, uh, the unsaved, they know this. They know. It's like the criminal knows the police are out there, but brushes out of their mind what's nothing to do with them. The unsaved mind knows there's a God, knows what the, what the truth is, and suppresses it, rejects it, denies it, changes it to some other thing. Changes the way of the Lord to something else. Changes the gospel to something else. Changes the philosophy of God to something else that could suit them, suits their own needs. And so they change the glory of God into corruptible things. Professing themselves to be wise, they become fools. John the Baptist understood this. Mighty preacher. He worked no miracles. But he preached. And by the word, we see tons of people getting saved. Getting right with the Lord. We see... In Colossians chapter 2, the completeness, the perfection, the completeness is not in physical makeup. It's not in the appearance. It's not like the, the Gnostic mystic who thinks that by their rituals and their beads and their crystals and, their, and, all, and all of their divinations and everything else and all their other books of philosophies. It's not about that. 
It's not about that. It's about the belief of the heart. It's not about like the, the Orthodox and the Catholic who think that by their religiosity and churchianity, they think that by, by their charitable deeds, they can earn favor and they can earn the understanding. No. It's by the simple belief of the heart. By the still small voice of the Holy Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ that lives in the heart of every believer. When you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, your Lord God and Savior, we are made complete. We are made complete. He makes us complete. It's not something we slave towards to try to achieve someday, but rather it is given. It's an instantaneous, it's given. The understanding, your mind is opened to the Word of God and we have the information here. And it's ever before us. We don't need to try to slave, to try to earn. It's just given. The philosophy of God, the ways of God, the understanding of the Lord, that we need not fear. This is why he says, fear not. Fear not, worry not, doubt not, care not, fret not, be anxious for nothing. I am with you always. I'll show you where to go, show you what to do. I'll tell you. I will tell you. He doesn't hold it from us. He says, wait on me, watch and pray, watch, watch me work, watch as I show you in everything that you do, even in eating and drinking, watch, listen, 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 he who hath ears to hear, let them hear what the spirit saith. The Holy Spirit of God speaks and the sound of his voice is heard. In the teaching, the doctrine, the philosophy of our Lord God Almighty, who wrote it down and he preserves it unto all generations. His word, which is above his very name. Not one jot, not one tittle shall always pass from the word of the law to all be fulfilled. Though the grass withers, the flowers fade, his word stands forever. His word is given. And there's an answer. Why do you think this book, why do you think these teachings here are the most mocked in the entire world? You don't see the atheists, you don't see the Gnostics mocking Buddhism, mocking Hinduism, mocking all the other belief systems, but they mock Jesus Christ. Why is the name of Jesus Christ the only deity name in the whole world that's used as a cuss word? Why are the teachings of Jesus Christ the most mocked of all teachings in the world? Why? There are others, other religions, other beliefs out there that are so absolutely, unbelievably mentally deficient. But they're hardly even spoken of. But what has Jesus Christ ever done wrong? What did he ever do wrong? What did Jesus Christ himself say that's wrong? Nothing. He did nothing wrong. But yet, why is he so hated and mocked? Why is he so hated and mocked? Because his teaching has power. Even the devils believe and tremble. They know what that, that what he presents, what he has, what he is, is true. And, and they hate it and they oppose it, yet they're terrified of it. That when the truth of God is spoken, the devils tremble and flee. At the mention of the Son of God, by the power of his blood, the devils, the mightiest of hell, tremble and run. A philosophy, a doctrine, a teaching that is so powerful it shakes the very gates of hell. 
and causes the angels of heaven to rejoice. The philosophy of God that can change the very life of an individual and turn a sinner into a saint. Saul of Tarsus, slaughter of saints, change him into a preacher, a preacher of Jesus Christ, the edifier of the saints, founder of churches. A philosophy that is so powerful it alters the very mind and the heart of an individual. A philosophy that is so powerful, teaching a doctrine is so powerful, it raises the very dead. As Jesus proved it, as the prophets and apostles proved it. A teaching that is so powerful, it flattened Egypt. It destroyed Babylon. It staunched the fire of Nebuchadnezzar. Shut the mouths of lions. Brought water from a rock. Fed the multitudes. And that is the teaching, the ways, the words of the Almighty God. We are complete. We are perfect because He is perfect. He is complete. He is perfect in every way. Righteous and holy in every way. And that which is from his mind, his heart, his mouth is given and codified, given to us and preserved. And thus we can understand the very mind of God Almighty when we look at the word of God. And to understand the person of God, we look at the Lord Jesus Christ, the image of the invisible God. This is who Jesus is. God Almighty manifested in the flesh. He gave us, gave us his words. And he gives us a warning. There'll be others that will try to change us, that try to alter this. We're bringing different gospels. They are accursed. Warnings against those that would add and subtract from the word, from this word of truth. The curses of God will be upon them. We're to test the spirits of all things, challenge all things, examine all things, expose all things through God's philosophy. Why do you need the philosophy of others? Let the dogs bark. That's what dogs do. As Charles Spurgeon said, let the dogs bark. That's what dogs do. Ignore them. The heathen will rage. The people imagine vain things. The kings are there to gather themselves together against the Lord and his anointed. Let them. Don't worry about them. We have a job to do. We have a teaching to pass on. We have a life to live, a work to do. The Lord has called us to a work. He's called, he's called us to this. He says, would you follow me? Don't follow man. It's not following church traditions. It's not following catechisms, commentaries, creeds, and councils. It's not following popes, priests, and kings. It's following the Lord Jesus Christ. It's all about him and him alone. It's not about churchianity. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not about the charities and the deeds and the law keeping. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not about the suits and the collars and the robes and the incense and everything else. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ. Cast off everything else. Hold to the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord God Almighty, Jesus Christ. It's all about him. What he says, devils will try to change it. They'll fight it. They'll, they'll twist it. They'll cherry pick it. They'll try to deceive you, delude you through fair speeches. Fair words, good words and fair speeches. Through philosophy and vain deceit. It'll sound good. It'll be sugar-coated. 
but it's poison. All poison tastes great when you put enough sugar. It'll rot, it'll rot the belly. It'll be a cancer to the marrow. You'll kill your faith. The enemy comes but to, but to seek to kill and destroy. They want to kill your faith. They want to destroy your fellowship with the Lord. They want to bring it, the focus upon yourself. But when we die to self, die to our own reason, the world mocks blind faith. They say blind faith is stupid. Blind faith is an error. What do you think childlike faith is? The child just trusts the parent, even when they don't understand, they just trust the parent, we'll, we'll work it out. That's what it is. We have blind faith on the Lord Jesus Christ because he said so. Okay, we trust that. Trust that he, he knows what's best. Trust that he knows where we're going. Trust that he has the answer, which he does. The world also mocks being a sheep. Now, you're just a sheep. You're just a follower. They mock sheep. Why do you think the world mocks sheep but sets up the term goat as being the greatest of all time? He's the goat, the greatest of all time. Doesn't the Lord say that the goats are a curse? That the Lord will separate the sheep from the goats because the goats are not of him? We're to be sheep of the Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And I give my life for my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. I know them. They follow me. And I give unto them eternal life. The Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. The world mocks the sheep, praises the goats, mocks blind faith, praises the opinions of man, mocks God, exalts man as God, mocks the philosophy of God, exalts man's opinions, and thus we can see. Thus we can see the deceit, the delusion. We can see what the world would try to get us to stray from, what the world, what the flesh and the enemy wants to pull us away from, wants us to follow the, tradi the traditions of men and not after Christ, the traditions of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not the traditions of man's establishment of church tradition, God's tradition, which is his word and his word alone. That's all I need. Was John the Baptist wrong? No, how could you say that? He had no robes. He had no objects. He had no wealth. He had no education. He had nothing. But he had the word of God. And Jesus Christ praised him as being the greatest of all the prophets. The greatest of all the prophets. Greater than Isaiah. Greater than Elijah. Greater than David. Greater than Samuel. The greatest of all the prophets was John the Baptist. Let's take a look at this. Prophets are a strange breed of men. 
They're God's emergency men for crisis hours. And the price of being a prophet is that a man has to live alone. All God's great men have been very, very lonely men. I said very often that when I, when I turn over the pages of the Bible, that one of the most challenging pages is the white page that divides the Testaments. Of 400 years of total darkness. 400 years of darkness without any light. 400 years of silence without any prophetic voice. If I were to say to you tonight, I'll give you paper and pencil and you can write and give me from your knowledge of the Word of God, who is the greatest man that ever lived outside of Jesus Christ? I guess you might come up with Moses, or you might come up with Paul, and you'd be wrong, because the greatest character reader of all time was Jesus himself, and he said that the greatest man that was ever born of woman was John Baptist. A man who spent some twenty years there in the fastness of the desert. A lonely man, a strange man. And the great need in America tonight, I'm convinced of this, as good as Bible schools are with their assembly lines and producing their preachers, the greatest need in America tonight is prophets. Amen. And as dear told you used to say, if you're going to be a prophet, brother, you better settle. Or it was Dr. Parker who originally said, if you're going to be a prophet, you'll have to preach repentance, and before you start, dedicate your head to heaven, because you won't last much more than six months, maybe. John the Baptist himself didn't. He went into the wilderness until the day of his showing forth. Oh, I'd love to have heard John Baptist preach, wouldn't you? I'd like to have seen this man when God said, John, you've been here 20 years now, you better go out and preach. I told him this morning it takes God 20 years to make a man, it took him 20 years to make John Baptist, and then he preached for six months. You boys went to Bible school for six months and been preaching 20 years, no wonder you're dry. <coughs> you better go back, go back to the wilderness, go back to the desert, get into the loneliness. There's nothing on God's earth like silence. Just take your Bible, forget everything and everybody, and shut yourselves away till that you have a new revelation from God Himself. But John wore no strange garments. He was strange by the fact he wore only a little girdle around his loins. That was his strange dress. He was no gourmet. He didn't go through the, uh, you know, the long, long menu and say, well, I, I don't know, my jaded appetite, there's nothing. You sure you don't have shrimp with a special dressing or something? He just caught the flies as they were going past. The locusts. Pulled the wings off and put them on a hot rock. He had locust burgers every day. Breakfast, dinner, and supper. A lot of people want Jesus to come today because they're scared sick of suffering, that's why. After all, the church has been getting lashed and tormented and stripped and prostituted. 400 years and God never moved. 400 years of ritual and formality of sacrifice and all the ritualism that they went through. But somehow, it was a form of godliness. 
And God decided to upset the apple cart, if you like. What did he do? Send a legion of angels? No, 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 no. He took a little man out of a baby out of the womb of its mother. He separated this man and he educated him in the spirit and sent him into the wilderness. And he came out and he had no forward man and he asked for no program and he wasn't seeking prestige and he didn't beg for anybody's power and he didn't find some secret way of promotion. If you'd walk down the desert there, you could hardly tell the man the color of his skin was sunburned on the inside and fire baptized on the inside and, and, and fire baptized with the sun on the outside and you can almost see the way he'd gone because his tears were rising like steam off the ground. They have broken my laws. You see, we think if we're really blessed and successful evangelists, you get a bigger home, a bigger car, more prestige, and brother, you think you're good because now you can buy $150 suits, whereas you wore $30 suits not too long ago. But brother, if you moved up with God, I'll tell you what you're doing. Your heart's more broken now than it was when you started 10 years ago. You see the nation going downhill more rapidly than she's ever gone before. Prostitution is increasing. Crime is increasing. Immorality is increasing. Lawlessness is increasing. And in the richest, most comfortable country in the whole world, we stink in the nostrils of Almighty God tonight, and England is equally true. It's equally true of England as well. Ah, the prophets were men who walked with God. They felt like God. They saw like God. They wept like God. They yearned like God. They had no satisfaction in seeing the beauty of the temple, the ritual, the formality, all the things that they went through. No, 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 no. God has gone from them. We keep up the formality. The money is coming in. People are nice. One or two come to the altar. But oh, what a difference when a man gets a heart that craves for revival, that longs that God will make various are, that all nations will have to acknowledge. When John Baptist came, he came with no lip that was buttoned. He had nobody to please. He had no program. He had no priorities that he was trying to push ahead. He never raised a dead man. No, he didn't raise a dead man. He raised a dead nation. And he did it without the miraculous in the realm of the flesh. He did it in the power of the Holy Ghost. Oh, when John came, I say he was a success on any level. I think John had already had his uh, program from God and the Lord said, you better get busy, boy, because you're not going to be around here very long. No, sir, they'll chop your head off if you start preaching this. Boy, we do have a few men that are prepared to lose their heads for Jesus right now. I say again, most of you men know to preach better than you do know, uh, than you do preach, but you won't do it because you'll get kicked out of the synagogue, that's why. You really have to trust God and that'll be trouble, won't it? And you've been paying in the minister's pension fund. Oh, brother, wouldn't that be awful to have to sacrifice God for Jesus? You say, I lay everything on the altar. I set my golf clubs and my minister's pension fund and my big TV and if anything else you can have, Lord. But don't, don't intrude just too much on me, kind of thing. 
Oh, I like to think of John Baptist standing there, no sponsors, nobody to agree or disagree with him. He stood there, and, and, and they came to see this strange man, anointed by the Holy Ghost. And I tell you this, if a man is anointed by the Holy Ghost, will seek it. We have blinded our eyes to truth, and we have put our fingers in our ears to the voice of God. And the judgments that are going to fall if we don't get revival, and maybe it is not an alternative of Christ or chaos, but Christ and chaos. Not revival or revolution, but revival and revolution. Not revival without concentration camps, maybe the only place you'll get it is in concentration camps. Oh, brother, we're heading for trouble, I'll tell you. Ah, the provincial men who walked with God. They felt like God, they saw like God, they wept like God, they yearned like God. It's... It's simplicity. It's simplicity. You don't need anything else. You don't want anything else. Everything else doesn't matter. The, the spirit of the prophet is the one who's dead to self and everything that this world could have and offer. And the only satiation that you seek is the very presence of God. Your thoughts are irrelevant. You crave for the thoughts of God. Our opinions and feelings are irrelevant. We only care about the feelings of the Lord Jesus Christ, how he feels about a thing. As you seek to feel like God, to see like God, to understand this Christ likeness, to be like Christ. How does he see? How does he hear? How does he think? That's all you care about. We are complete in him. He is our completeness. John the Baptist was perfect. He was complete. He, he, uh, because he let go. Yes, he was just a, a normal man. Yes, he made mistakes. But in his striving for the mastery of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, he sought the perfection, the completeness. Now, does that mean that we have to go all live like John? No, but... We see as well that David was a prophet. He was a king and he had stuff, but it didn't matter to him. He may have had it, but it didn't matter. Abraham was a wealthy, powerful individual, but all that stuff didn't matter to him. Abraham was a friend of God. David, friend of God, had the heart of God. It's that things are things and are irrelevant. We don't find our completeness and satiation in things. We don't find our completeness and satiation in the opinions and, and the, the ideas of others. Because the only thing we care about is what does the Lord say? What does the Lord think? Thus saith the Lord. And the world will hate this. Because the small g, God of this world, has blinded the minds of them. And he has promised that all the wealth and the riches of the kingdoms of this world to all who bow to him in his philosophy. 
And thus all the world that's dead in trespasses and sins has bowed the knee and kissed the feet of the devil will now turn and rend you. They'll rend you. They'll hate you. Because you have no interest in the things of this world. John the Baptist was mocked. Mocked by the Pharisees, mocked by the Sanhedrin, mocked by the unsaved. He didn't care. He let the dogs bark. He didn't care even about the executioner's sword, and neither did Apostle Paul. Dying to self, giving up all, surrendering to the power of the Lord, this is what matters. The philosophy of God. That when we hold ourselves to the truth of Christ and the truth of His Word, we will be protected against the deceit and the delusion because the spirit of god will speak to us through to our minds and through this we will see by the word of god where error is we test all things by the word of god we challenge all things by the word of god through the power of the spirit of christ who lives in the heart of every believer philosophy in vain deceit there's much much false philosophy floating around these days and it's inundating the churches it's taking over the minds of the saints about self-satisfaction self-protection self-help self-righteousness we need to surrender self we need to die to self we don't have the answers no one does but the Lord. No one can help us but the Lord. If any men lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally and upbraideth not. The tradition of men, the rudiments of the world, false philosophy, vain deceit, is antithetical to what Christ offers. Do we want do we want the life of simplicity and the power of Jesus Christ? Or do we want to try to figure out how to tear down the walls of Jericho? It makes no sense. Those in, in Jericho standing on the wall just watching, what do they do? They're just walking around the wall again. One day, two days, three days, four days, five days, six days, just wandering around the wall. And then, and then all of a sudden they walk around the city several times and blow the trumpets, the walls fall. That makes no sense. But that's how the Lord works. The Lord does not work in this, according to the sensibleness of the world. Dead don't come back to life. Seas don't split. Waters don't come from rocks. Hail doesn't fall from the sky and burn as fire on the ground. Staves don't turn into snakes. You can't scrape dust together and breathe on it and create a human being. That doesn't make sense. But God does not make sense to the philosophy of this world. That we're saved just by grace through faith? That makes no sense. How do we not have a part in it? It seems way too simple. The world will mock it. It doesn't make sense. A jar of oil doesn't run out. barrel of meal doesn't run out. How, that, that's not a thing. That doesn't make sense. And the world will mock it. Our, the, our, our minds of flesh cannot fathom this, cannot grasp this, cannot understand this. But that's God working. God does not work according to the laws and the opinions of this world. 
He doesn't work according to the laws of physics. His philosophy doesn't suit the, the minds of men. This is why we have to surrender our minds. We surrender our faith. We surrender ourselves to the Lord. When we try to make sense of it is when we're getting in the way. What it says is what it means. What it says is what it means. Jesus Christ, the true God and eternal life. He says, by grace through faith, by belief alone, because of his work on the cross, what he did. And he says, now follow me, listen to me, do what I say, follow me, go preach what I tell you. And we just say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. That's all John Baptist said. Yes, Lord. The Lord told him, go over here, do this, sit here. But, but Lord, well, what about a home? What about clothes? What about food? What about water? What, what, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. Standing in the pulpit, I'm scared to look at all the people. I don't know what to do. He gives us the power. He gives us the direction. He gives us the wisdom. He gives us the instruction. He gives us the food. He gives us all, all fulfillment. He perfects us. He's our completeness. He is everything. The philosophy and the ways of God have nothing to do with us. It's everything to do with him. As God confounds the minds of the Sanhedrin. They took note that they had been with Jesus. The Sanhedrin were confounded, bewildered. And they, and they could not respond. These unlearned fishermen, how did they have such learning? Because they sat at the feet of Jesus. You don't need the approval of men. And John Baptist had no approval of men. He had no degrees, no diplomas. Charles Spurgeon rejected ordination. They sat at the feet of Jesus. They just said, look, this is what the Lord says, and that's sufficient. What does the Lord say? What is the Lord telling you? As uh, Leonard Ravenhill talks about, get to the silence and, until you receive revelation from the Lord. Now, what is this? Understanding. Understanding. The enlightenment of the word, understanding of how I have nothing to do with this. It's not about me. It's not about my notoriety. Learning to die to self, forsake all, follow him. Now, what does that mean? As I preached at church this past Sunday, what does taking the faith seriously mean to you? What does it mean to you? What did it mean to John the Baptist? What did it mean to Elijah? What did it mean to Samuel? What did it mean to Isaiah? What did it mean to Peter and uh, John and James and Paul? What did it mean to Mary and Martha? What did it mean to Ruth and Esther? Taking the faith seriously. What does that mean? We see today in our day and age in our high technological, high scientific, our high philosophical society. God doesn't have a place. When one seeks to uh, obey the Lord and follow the Lord, you become a social pariah. You're mocked left and right, up and down, and they tear the, the third layer off you. But isn't that just it? They did the same thing to Jesus. They did the same thing to Jesus. Which of the prophets did they not kill? Look how they treated the apostles. Were they wrong? Were the prophets and apostles wrong? 
What did they do that to deserve this? They preached the truth of God. They preached the philosophy of God. The philosophy of the Lord, of his righteousness, of repentance of sin, about walking with the Lord, making the crooked way straight. And they're persecuted, hated. They walked in the presence of God, praising the Lord and proclaiming his word absolutely, following the Lord absolutely, because this is true. This is what is right. And when you do that, the world hates you. They'll take your head off like they did to John Baptist. In him dwelleth all the fullness. All fullness. In him in whom all fullness dwells. The completeness and the perfection of all understanding and wisdom of the mysteries of God are in the person of Jesus Christ. The person of Jesus Christ and John Baptist standing there in the Jordan wearing nothing but a leathern girdle sun burnt on the outside fire burnt on the inside standing there like a wild man knee deep in the river surrounded by a great multitude they come to see this spectacle but this spectacle this wild looking homeless spectacle no education no no proper diet nothing no fancy suits no degrees he had nothing no home he had nothing to his name but the leathern girdle he wore and he points his finger and he says behold the lamb of god which takes away the sin of the world and that man john baptist is called the greatest of all the prophets many a person these days touts themselves a prophet but they're the furthest from it. You want to understand the spirit of a prophet? You want to understand biblical, God-given spirituality? You want to understand that as the grand old hymn, the mystic sweet communion of the Christ mindfulness of being in the presence of God? You want to understand what this is? Look at John Baptist. People are like, but but I like the idea of a prophet that's like David. He had lots of riches. And you have no love of God. You have no love of God. But I but I, I want to have the big churches and all the all the you have no love of God, you have the love of things. You're more in line with a false prophet. So to so to be a preacher, to be a servant of God, I have to forsake all follow him beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily and ye are complete in him which is the head of all principality and power colossians chapter 2 part 2 as paris here says ecclesiastes 118 for in much wisdom is much grief and he that increaseth knowledge increaseth sorrow you're trying to figure things out for yourself you're just going to find more and more vanity 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 all is vanity as the preacher says the base things of the world confound the wise yep 
And so we see, to understand understanding, to have the wisdom, the knowledge, we must empty ourselves of all but Christ. Empty ourselves of all but Christ. I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. There you go. Um, and then we have an individual here trying to understand what he's saying here. A.D. Uh, Barabaz, I don't know what his name is. No one, no one can understand Bible only Father in Heaven. Real Word of God, Jesus is real God. Um, I don't understand what you're saying there, fella. No one can understand the Bible, only God. Well, you're in a little bit of danger then there, bud, because as Scripture says that the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness unto him, neither can he know them for they're spiritually discerned. If you're saying that you can't understand the Bible, then you don't have the Spirit of God. You need to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. Repent and believe the gospel of the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. That, so when we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, we are indwelt by his Holy Spirit. Ephesians 1.13, Ephesians 4.30, Ephesians 3.17. We're indwelt by his Holy Spirit who then teaches us and instructs us according to the word John 14 and 16. So, uh, yes, you can understand the word of God when you're born again saved. If you're not born again saved, the word of God, the Bible, the scriptures will be confusing to you. And you'll say things like, you can't understand it. So... There you go. All right, so there we go. Just something I just want to talk about today. I hope that this has been a help and a comfort and encouragement to you. If you appreciate these studies, please give us a like, as a thumbs up. Make sure you subscribe, hit notification bell icon so we put up new videos and check out all our other videos. We've got tons of other goodies and content, as well as make sure to check out our website, christiancoffeetime.ca. We have links to all our other platforms and goodies, as well as free downloadable gospel track pdfs and e-tracks please make sure to check it out and with that i guess we'll wrap it up there so again folks thank you so much for joining in i hope this has been a blessing to you hope this has been been encouraged to you and giving you something to think about to maul on because it certainly does for me this this reminder that that video by ravenhill i tried to watch that once in a while it is so challenging it nearly brings me to tears every time I hear it. Every time Ravenhill goes on his talk about how John Baptist almost brings me to tears every time. It's just, it's so true and it's so real, so powerful. The philosophy of Jesus Christ, the words, the teachings, the scriptures, the Bible, the word of God is all we need. We don't need programs. We don't need entertainment structures and fancy lights and big buildings we, we we need to get away from stuff we need to get away from ourselves get back to the simplicity get back to the wilderness amen amen so with that wrapped it up there so god bless you folks god bless all those who love our Lord God, Jesus Christ. God bless all those who love his holy word. Hope to see you again. And as always, if I don't see you again, I'll see you in the sky. God bless.
Thank you.